Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Amanda Bible-Williams. And I'm your other host, Rachel Myers. And this is the second week in our First and Second Thessalonians study. And today we are joined by our friend, Jonathan Pitts. Jonathan is the executive pastor at Church of the City here in Franklin. And he is also the president and co-founder of my favorite magazine for preteen girls. It's called For Girls Like You. My daughter is a subscriber. She loves it. Beyond that, Jonathan is also a father of four wonderful young ladies. And he is an author. And his most recent book is called My Winter Season, Seeing God's Faithfulness in the Shadow of Grief, where he talks about his journey of losing his wife of 15 years and seeing God's faithfulness in that. It was really sweet and not a mistake to get to sit down with Jonathan as we talked about what Paul has to say about the dead in Christ, for example. This is a really sweet week to talk with Jonathan about, and I'm really excited for you to have this episode. So let's get right to it. So we dropped off last week with Whitney with Paul sort of asking like, hey guys, like I would love to come to you myself, but I can't. And so I'm going to send my brother to Timothy. Yeah. And he's just kind of going like, but how are you? Seriously, how are you? Like we talked last week about how Paul's care for the church in Thessalonica is just really remarkable. And so we get to pick up this week kind of with like finding out how they are. Mm. Yeah. Which is good. He's tender. And I don't, we don't always get to see like a tender side of Paul. That's real. (laughs) Yeah. I think some of us, maybe me and my friend Amy F. Downs, need to see that because sometimes Paul can be a little bit. I don't know what the word, like a little, just bristle you a little bit. Yeah. Because yeah. it's even, pretty even, straightforward. Even Peter says that like Paul's, his teachings are hard to deal with, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's just yeah. like, everybody knows it. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. right though. It's nice to be able to see Paul kind of going like, I care so much about you guys. Yeah. It is nice. Yeah. And we immediately see it. I mean, yeah. we start this week. Um, in the middle of First Thessalonians chapter three, mm-hmm. and even these first you know, verses six through ten, this first little paragraph is is steeped in community. Yeah, could we just start? Let's just dive in and yeah. read. How do Jonathan, we feel you want to be? That? I'm so glad you're here, Jonathan. I'm excited to talk I'm, to I'm you. I'm glad to be with you guys. Yeah, I'd love to read. Okay, yeah, read. Um, yeah, six through ten for us. But now Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news about your faith and love. He reported that you always have good memories of us and that you long to see us, as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and affliction, we were encouraged about you through your faith. For now we live if you stand firm in the Lord. How can we thank God for you in return for all the joy we experience before our God because of you, as we pray very earnestly night and day to see you face to face and to complete what is lacking in your faith? It's just such a sweet, like, I think that so much of this, especially this letter, this First Thessalonians letter, I think I'm learning how to interact even better with God's church. Mm. Um, yes. Like, it makes me pay attention, not just, to, I mean, we talked last week about, like, some things that we're learning here. Like, it matters how you live. Um, it matters um, that we remind each other of what is true. But like, it also matters to live in community. And so like, so much, I'm surprised by how much First Thessalonians has challenged me, not just in my individual living, but in the way that I interact with Christ Church, even in a pandemic, Mm -hmm. like even in this world that we're a little more isolated than usual. It reminds me to be reaching out, to be checking in. And we have, even in a pandemic, we have a luxury that Paul didn't have of yeah. being able to like be in contact with people. And sometimes we don't take advantage of that. We don't yeah. check in. Yeah, it's, I think it's also really beautiful like how I'm sure there were things going on that Paul could have, obviously he will address some things, but like ultimately the gratitude for community that you can just feel just kind of through his words, yeah. like the gratitude for the people, the gratitude for the relationship. I just think it's something we can all benefit from because there's always things that we can be thinking about and worrying about or stressing about. And he's just laying out like just gratitude for these people, gratitude for this family of his. Yeah. You know? yeah. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. I love how we get this picture throughout these two short letters of how they really are for each other. Like it reminds me of, you know, weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. Mm-hmm. Like they 
because they can't agree on everything. You know, they probably don't agree on everything. They're not all the same personality type. Like all the things mm-hmm. that we kind of gravitate toward as humans, we like hang out with the people that make us comfortable and we hang out with the people we agree with or who look like us. And that's not at all the picture that Paul is giving us. And it reminded me of in First Corinthians 12, where we get, you know, this talk of the body of Christ, because this passage that you just read, Jonathan, it's a picture of experiencing life as a body, Mm -hmm. you know, that we're connected. And so in 1 Corinthians 12, which is not part of our reading for today, but I'm going to read it for us, just a couple of verses, starting in the middle of verse 24. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable, so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, Mm -hmm. all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. So it's this... And we're going to hear him later in Thessalonians. There's going to be this call to like be at peace Mm -hmm. with each other. And I, you know, Rachel, you said like even in a pandemic, I think in some ways, especially in a pandemic, because we aren't seeing our people face to face as often or ever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like we're kind of because we live in 2021, we're kind of reverting to online interaction and in some ways like with our people like on zoom and the phone and text or whatever but also just social media and i think what we're doing there is not unifying like Mm -hmm. we're finding the sources for division and we're exploiting that instead of holding each other up Mm -hmm. and being members of the same body i don't As we sit here at the beginning of 2021, and I think about the church in America right Mm -hmm. now, it doesn't feel like a body. Mm -hmm. And I know that I'm just speaking from my own experience, my own perception, because we are a body. And so this challenges me to like act like it and be less concerned about some of the things that are not at the core, yeah. Yeah. you know? It's really interesting because, you know, obviously this letter, he's writing to a persecuted church. That's right. And there's nothing that unites like persecution. I mean, they're, they're, yeah. they're uniting around the fact that they've got this commonality while all these stresses are happening around. I mean, life-threatening things, death, just mm-hmm. all the things. And yeah. it's just really interesting. Like, I think we have the same opportunity. I mean, obviously this isn't... <laughs> the pandemic is a different thing. But sure. just in general, like in our world right now, there are so many pressures. And to the degree that we can actually act like a body, yeah. honor the... It's, see, without all the pressure and just easy living... Mm-hmm. it's easy to just hang out with people we want to hang out with and yeah. do the life we want to do and just stay in our little groups. But when the pressure is on, yeah. you know how much yep. you need the other parts of your body that maybe even seem a little bit less honorable to you. They seem more dishonorable, but ultimately like the body doesn't function without all the parts. So That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. I'm grateful for the Second Timothy reading in today's reading from chapter one. First of all, we, we talked about how Last week, he referred to Timothy as his brother in Christ. And I said, no, he also calls him son. And sure enough, here in verse two, he says, my dearly loved son. Like he just loves Timothy. Mm. But kind of throughout this reading, you get this, like, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience, as my ancestors did when I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. That with a clear conscience is really special to me. Because what we know of Paul (laughs) is that he was the expert in the law, right? Mm -hmm. Like he was the best Jew there was. But with a clear conscience, he now confesses and professes Jesus. And then he goes on and says in verse 8, So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Instead, share in the suffering for this gospel. As I was reading this, I thought, okay, one thing that we know is that all of Scripture was both for them then— and it's for us now. And so it kind of helped Who me. Who taught to, us that? I think Jen Wilkin. It, or right. maybe Nancy Guthrie. No, it was Jen. Okay. So like, as I'm like, you know, sometimes even in the New Testament, and especially in the New Testament, like, what's the them then? And then mm-hmm. what's the us now? And, you know, for Paul to say, don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. For them then, like you said, Jonathan, like this was a persecuted church. Like this yeah. was something that was against popular opinion, not just against Rome, but like, you know, the Jews were the ones who killed Jesus. Mm -hmm. And they were going, no, 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 no. Like, this guy isn't real. They were persecuted on many sides. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. for them then to not be, you know, ashamed of that testimony was something they needed to hear. 
Um, and then the for us now, you know, what does it mean for us to not be ashamed of the testimony of Jesus? I think like I had an appointment this week and, you know, the woman that I have gone to for, you know, four years now was she's not a believer and she was kind of hypothesizing about the pandemic and how, you know, what's that play spiritually? And I was just like, you know, like I didn't make this appointment to share Jesus with you, but also like every opportunity that I have to share Jesus is one I shouldn't be ashamed of the gospel and they shouldn't feel like that makes it awkward. And I think so often I feel nervous that like my testimony about Jesus makes things awkward. But what I want to be is somebody who Paul encourages to, you know, live all the more brightly, to be a person of the light, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a good way to put it, Rachel, live all the more brightly. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, he puts it that way. <laughs> just like that, like that phrase. He doesn't say like live all the phrasing. more brightly, but he says we are people of the light, yeah. that we don't yeah. live in darkness. So yeah, let's live all the more brightly. Yeah, yeah. and I, yeah. I think it's important, can I refer back to chapter one? For yeah, a second? of course. In chapter, all, of, all of the Bible is fair game. Yeah, so First Thessalonians <laughs> chapter one, verse one, he says, for the Lord's message rang out from you, mm-hmm. not only in Macedonia or Achaia, I think that's how I say it, but in every place that your faith in God has gone out so that we don't need to say anything. Mm-hmm. Just this idea yeah. of like the Lord's message ringing out yeah, and not needing to say anything because they are living in such a way, like their life is so in contrast to everyone else around them yeah, that their life is a message, that they are the message. Paul talks Good. a lot about this message and we as believers being that, like carrying the very essence of Jesus inside of us, you know? Yeah. So I think, I think that's really like, so in the moments like, you know, you're with your, you know, whoever it is, doctor, whatever it is. Yeah. Like your life speaks for itself. And when you have words, yeah. you obviously use them, but yeah. you're, you are a message. I don't know. Yeah. And it's not a message we need to be ashamed of because it's the message that's literally saved us. So. I love what right. you just said, though. I mean, even going back to last week, and we've talked about, you know, how we live matters. So much of what they say in the first part of this letter is like, and you know that like, we could have asked you to support us financially because we were here ministering to you, but we went above and beyond and worked at night to support mm-hmm. ourselves and because we really, really, really don't want to be a distraction from the most important thing. Mm. I just think how we live matters. Yeah. And and I think that that is a for sure for them then and a for us now. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And then we move into the next day where we get to First Thessalonians chapter 4 now. And I think that's why, I mean, we get this where he's talking about living set apart, right? Like, how do we live as followers of Jesus? And we get this section, the heading in the CSB is a call to sanctification. But we get this section about kind of practical holiness, that like holiness is not just a spiritual aim, but it's, you know, there's a physical application to that, the how we use our bodies matters. Yeah. And, and it's then, helpful when scripture gets specific. It really is. Yeah. And, and when we think about, I'm not going to pretend to know a ton about, you know, the specifics of the culture that he's speaking into, but I know enough to know that this section that we get here in First Thessalonians 4, 3 through 8, which is essentially talking about you know, like sexual purity mm-hmm. um, and and not taking advantage of others, that that's a radical take. That mm-hmm. is countercultural. That's right. Yes. And so that, to me, it just really connects directly to what you were saying, mm-hmm. Jonathan, that, you know, we read that line last week with Whitney and even called it out, like the message that rang out from you. I was thinking of it as words, but you're totally right. It's the way of living. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the aura of the believer that like everything we do should be linked to Jesus, you know, should be motivated in love, should be part of our witness mm-hmm. in the gospel. That the way that we live would ring out for Christ. Yeah, it stands out. Wow. Yes. It's interesting. Uh, I can't remember who to credit for this quote here, but it's basic, and I'll probably mess it up a little bit, but Christians in these early days, just apply this to sexuality, in culture, the culture gave their body to everyone and mm-hmm. their money to no one, mm-hmm. but Christians were giving their bodies to barely anyone, mm-hmm. like their spouses, and mm-hmm. their money to everyone. Like yeah. they were like that's countercultural. Like yeah. it's the exact reverse. Like they yeah. were sharing that's their so bodies. And they were also protecting the vulnerable, women and children yeah. in ways that wasn't normal in culture. So mm-hmm. like talking about sexuality here and being sexually moral was like so countercultural. Yeah. So countercultural. And yeah. with the motivation that's in this, like let's see I'm just going to read a little bit of it because I want to call out one part of it. And as Amanda reads, remember what we said last week, that this you 
is almost always y'all. That's exactly right. It's, it's a collective. It's, yeah. it's a plural yeah. you and your. So this is First Thessalonians 4, starting in verse 3. For this is God's will, your sanctification, that you keep away from sexual immorality, that each of you knows how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not with lustful passions like the Gentiles, which are those who don't know God. And that's shorthand for that. This means... One must not transgress against and take advantage of a brother or sister in this manner, because the Lord is an avenger of all those offenses, as we also previously told and warned you. For God has not called us to impurity, but to live in holiness. Mm. Consequently, anyone who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who gives you his Holy Spirit. So there's a lot there, but the part that I wanted to call out is you can see the motivation of love in there, that certainly love for God, right, and honoring the Lord um, and the Holy Spirit who lives in us, but also honoring one another, which is radical, like you just pointed out, Mm -hmm. Jonathan, that not to take advantage of someone else and that you're calling out, like take advantage of a brother or sister, you know, we're family now. Mm -hmm. And so our actions are not only motivated by our own needs or desires. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He says lustful passions, like not our own personal passions and needs and any right, wrong or indifferent desires that don't think of others first, which is not loving. (laughs) Right. And the gospel very clearly, I mean, Scripture says over and over, consider others yeah. above yourselves. And Jesus says it, right? Love your neighbor as That's yourself. right. Love yeah. your neighbor. It's interesting. I was thinking about First Thessalonians this morning, actually, while I was getting ready. And I have this little piece of paper taped to my mirror in my bathroom. And it kind of goes back. I've had it for a couple months now because at our church, you know, from time to time we'll do, you know, like the Apostles' Creed or like a line from a catechism or something like that. And I was thinking about this recording today and getting ready and thinking about, you know, even in Hebrews 10, it says, you know, that we hold to the confession of our faith. And I have taped on my mirror question number one from the Heidelberg Catechism. And it matters to me so much to read that out loud every day as I start my day because it reminds me how to live toward Christ. I'm going to read it. Is that okay? Yes. Do you want to hear the question? Okay. So question one in that catechism is what's your only comfort in life and death? And it says that I'm not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all of my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from all the power of the devil. He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Therefore, by His Holy Spirit, He also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for Him. That last line is what I read to myself every morning as I'm getting ready, that I want to be heartily willing and ready to live for Him. That's what it means for us. There's so much in that. There's so much good in there, right? (laughs) Yeah. I will put it in the show notes so that y'all can, I mean, y'all can print it and put it on your mirrors too if you want to, but like it helps me so much. And that for me is my version of letting my life ring out as a testimony Mm -hmm. to Christ that I would not live and also happen to be a Christian but that I would be heartily willing to live for him and unto him. I'm just picturing you, you know, getting ready in the morning and reading that. And it's like when we read scripture, right? right? I mean, it changes the trajectory of your day because it would be difficult to read that and then just go through the day thinking, whatever. Yeah. You know, like just What's the point being today? indifferent yeah. or... Idol when yeah. it comes to, you know, and we're going to get that theme even just in the, you know, as we keep going here in chapter four, we have that beautiful, beautiful verse in 410. But we encourage you, brothers and sisters, to do this even more, to seek to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business. Love it. And to work with your own hands as mm. we commanded you so that you may behave properly in the presence of outsiders and not be dependent on anyone. But we get this like, you know, 
warning against idleness and this call to like work with your hands and Mm -hmm. you know there's a part at some point it says be busy but not busy bodies (laughs) is that the csb i I mean sometimes the csb just really comes through for us guys i love that yeah you were talking earlier about social media and like what it looks like to to ring out for christ there and i wasn't trying to jump ahead to four but now that we're here that mind your own business I love that that's not even the message. Like, that's not even like the message like paraphrase. That is like, uh-huh. mind your own business. Because it's just so true that like, there's just so much good to do in the place that the Lord has placed you. Mm-hmm. And of course, be on guard and like protect others. And like, the scripture does not contradict itself. Yeah. So we know that mind your own business is also in line with all of the things, the go and tell, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think that that's just like, my goodness, like I kind of want to just put that on my mirror as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jonathan's got his Bible open. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, I, hear. I just love that word. Just, you didn't say wholeheartedly. You said what was in the catechism. Oh, it was um, It just made me think of um, my word for the year is wholehearted. Oh, that, wow. That yeah. The, the word I wanted to come in with. And in Joshua chapter 14, three times it mentions Caleb being wholehearted in his devotion towards God. Yes. The, the word it uses in um, CSB is actually loyal. Okay, yeah. But like that everything that you're doing is like whatever you're doing, whatever you're working on. I mean, Joshua was like taking territory for God. Yeah. And it's referring, he's basically asking, he's asking Joshua for this piece of land. He's talking about how he was wholehearted, how he was wholehearted. Yeah. But he was diligent, wholehearted, and loyal to the call that God had in his life. And I think about that for my own life, like just this desire to want to serve God so wholeheartedly that I'm so focused on his mission that I don't even have time to think about any of the other stuff that, yeah, you know, just lacks importance or lacks even, you know, just the difference between being wholehearted and then just having time to gossip or having time to just mm-hmm. pay attention to things that don't really matter. Like when you're wholehearted and loyal to God, everything else that's secondary just has to get out of the way so you can focus on his purpose. That's right. I don't know that's if I'm making right. sense here, but that word is an amazing word. And Joshua chapter that. 14 just speaks really specifically to it. It's beautiful. Well, and we just as a community read the book of Joshua in the front half of Lent and even getting to like talk about Caleb for a little while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that about him. He's the guy that went and, you know, scouted the land. And when everybody else came back talking about the giants, yep. he came back talking about the grapes. Yep. Like yep. he came back saying like, isn't it great what God has promised? Not this thing that God said he could do isn't possible. Yep, like beautiful. that's our guy, Caleb. That's our guy, Caleb. I love that. And because of that, he got an inheritance. Yeah, he did. God blessed him. It's yeah. Awesome. I love that. Oh, I love that connection. Um, I mean, look at you, Jonathan, connecting us to our reading from <laughs> two books ago. Look at that. <laughs> you know, that's why you guys pay me the big bucks. Yeah, so. that's right. That's right. It's so good. And I think that this here in First Thessalonians 4, that line I think that is connected to what we were just talking about, about living as a body and living at peace and loving one another. A way that we do that is by contributing and focusing. Like, Jonathan, when you are loyal to God's call on your life, that benefits the body, Mm -hmm. and therefore that benefits me. And when we are, you know, concerned about, about the unique calling that God has on each of us, and I don't mean... I'm not even talking about like, oh, the big thing that you're going to do with your life. I'm just mean like mm-hmm. what God puts in front of yeah. you today mm-hmm. to do, right? Just yeah. wa- right, daily faithfulness. If we are all concerned with our own daily faithfulness, that is so much more valuable and contributes so much more to the peace and unity of the body than looking around. We do so much looking around yeah. right now. Yeah. And social media is a way that we do it. I think that's like... Yeah. You know, the low-hanging fruit, but it's also very true of like, this is how I can just peer into everyone's lives and think I understand them Mm -hmm. and judge, Mm -hmm. judge, 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 or compare or whatever. I And like verse 9 says, it says, you don't need me to write to you because you yourselves are taught by God. Like we talk about social media as a place to like, you know peer, but also like sometimes I fear that we depend on social media to feed us spiritually, mm-hmm. you oh. know, right? Well, somebody just yesterday on social media saw, it might have been Jess Connolly, who we'll talk to next week, Yes, um, said that the internet makes a terrible pastor. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. A terrible pastor. And in, and in the context of this, like it's Paul going like, as much as I desire to just disciple you and care about you and train you, you actually don't even need me because you have the spirit. Like you have God. Mm -hmm. And like that's not your first teacher. And that's what we talk about at She Reads Truth. Like that's so much of what we do is just 
the audacity to believe that we can just open scripture for ourselves and read it without yeah. any commentary, without any Bible study aside, like just going like, you actually just need scripture. Here it is. Mm-hmm. And that's beautifully freeing as well, I think. Yeah. The verse that just comes to mind is that the word of God is living and active. That's yeah. right. Sharper than a two-edged sword. It divides soul and, uh, soul and spirit, soul and spirit, joint and marrow. Like yeah. it's just like it's... It's working the minute you open it, the yeah. minute you read it, the minute you allow it into your soul, it's going to do something, Yeah, something beautiful. And so, so Paul's saying, like, I want to be there and I want to help, but also, like, uh, there's freedom even for him and going, like, mm-hmm. but also you have the Spirit mm-hmm. and you have the Word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Well, I mean, thank you, Lord, yeah. <laughs> for that gift. And just to have, it's not even like, oh, we've been given, like, the manual on how to do that. It's not even that. It's better than that. Like, we're given... God's word, which is living and active, and we're given the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. who is at work. I mean, I just feel like that work of the Spirit has just been echoing through so many conversations that I've had this week. And mm-hmm. it's so encouraging. It's so convicting, you know, that this is all the levels on which the Lord works. Yeah. Um, and if we dare to kind of open our eyes to that, yeah. it really, I don't have much time to think about other things. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah. You know, when you're really, fo- it just makes it. And yeah. then I think about, oh, well, I'm going to go home this afternoon after work and my four children are going to be there. And, and like, it changes the way I interact with them. Yeah. You know, it changes the way that I interact with you, Ray. It's like mm-hmm. my, my coworker and my partner mm-hmm. in the gospel. Um, your sick of. Yes, my Sega. Significant other. We each have a spouse, but we also have each other as our significant Mm. other. This is is true. (laughs) Hey, friends, if you love She Reads Truth, you probably love how we pair God's word with the aesthetic beauty it deserves. We enjoy being creative and finding the beauty, goodness, and truth in the world around us. That's one reason we're so excited about our partnership with our friends over at Skillshare. Skillshare helps you move your creative journey forward without putting life on hold. Their short classes are a perfect fit for a busy routine. There are so many great classes on Skillshare on topics like photography, productivity, video script writing, and so much more. Friends, this online learning community is offering our listeners a free trial of Skillshare's premium membership. With Skillshare, practice makes progress. Advancing toward a creative goal is achievable with short lessons, hands-on projects, and classes designed for real life. Do something today you didn't think you could do yesterday. Explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash She Reads Truth, where our listeners get a free trial of their premium membership. That's two weeks free at Skillshare.com slash She Reads Truth. I like kind of this back half of First Thessalonians. It's almost like he, from this point on, kind of changes gears. So he's been talking a lot about, really, like, hey, it's kind of like a hard turn. It's a hard turn right yeah. at this moment where he has something important. Up he until needs now, to he's say. like, hey guys, hey guys, like, miss you, love you, love you, love you, love you. Don't forget <laughs> how to live. Don't forget uh-huh, that this uh-huh. matters. And then he just, in chapter four, verse 13, Paul changes gears and he gives them then and us now some passages of scripture that matter deeply mm-hmm. to us. And, you know, even for those of us in this room, Jonathan, you have lost a wife. Yeah. I've lost a child. Amanda, you've lost a parent. Like mm-hmm. even by those of us represented here and everyone listening knows what it is like to grieve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so probably likewise, those of us here in this room and everyone listening is possibly familiar with these passages that come because mm-hmm. these are the, hey, as believers, you don't have to grieve as people who have no hope. Mm-hmm. I think we should read this because I would love to, with Paul, shift gears and kind of go into these really beautiful passages that have fascinated me for a long time it, yeah. for one reason, because this is scripture. This is a, a man writing inspired by the Holy Spirit to reveal things that weren't known before. Mm. And it's just really remarkable to me that like he's able to speak with authority because of the Spirit and give us new information about what it will be like for those who have died in Christ. Yeah. I mean, he has an agenda here. You get that sense of like, I have something so important to tell you. I also want to tell you this. Yeah. yeah. Who wants to read it? I'll read it. You the read scripture's it? meant a lot to me. Yeah, yeah. I would love that. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. 
For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, in the same way, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For we say this to you by a word from the Lord. We who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. What a special scripture to me. I mean, I just think it's been about two and a half years ago since I lost my wife of 15 years. And I just remember a lot of emotion, obviously, pain, darkness, like lots of all the stuff that comes with death. But there was like a confirmation of the hope that I had. Like it talks about, Paul talks about, like we don't have to grieve as those who have no hope. Like the confidence that I had then and I still carry now, not just for me, but even for my daughters as I was sharing with them that their mommy went to be with Jesus, Yeah, is that we can tell them, I can tell my girls that their mommy's with Jesus and we'll see her again. And that's a totally different grieving process totally than saying we just different. lost somebody and we'll never see him again for the yeah. rest of eternity, you yeah. know? That phrase, with them, we will be caught up together with them in yeah. the clouds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. And so when Paul says in 18, therefore encourage one another with these words, we take that seriously. Yeah. Like this is the remind each other of what is true because sometimes it's easy to forget. Yeah. But you're right that the grief that we have as believers is not as those who have no hope. Yeah. And I, actually, in thinking about being called up together in the clouds, it makes me think of so Hebrews, when he's talking about the great cloud of witnesses yeah, and just the yeah. reality that even those I've never have, made that connection. Yeah, I like that. Those yeah. that go on before us, they yeah. actually just have a different responsibility. They're actually encouraging, they're mm-hmm. cheering us on, is what they say in Hebrews. Like they're mm-hmm. cheering us on, they're advocating for us with Jesus. Like it's just like a different responsibility in eternity yeah. than it is here. You know, it's just really beautiful. So. It is. It is. And it confirms, you know, that scripture teaches us that Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. And here that you just read in verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again in the same way through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. So what Jesus resurrection is like, that is going to be our resurrection. Mm -hmm. And like just that, you know, to think of it in, I don't know if I can articulate it, but I often think of this passage it's hard to make it feel practical. Mm-hmm. You know, it's probably not as hard right now for it to feel practical to you, Jonathan. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I look at that, it's that specific verse that I think really helps it grounds it for me. Yeah. Of like, because I believe with my whole heart that Jesus literally rose from the dead and is alive, mm-hmm. sitting at the right hand of God, right? And so, in the same way, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Like, He went first. We're going to, you know? Yeah. Something that I really love about this passage, it's those words, shout and trumpet. So it says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice, with the trumpet of God. And I just think about... Don't forget, this is victory. Like, Mm -hmm. this is the end of a big old battle. And Mm -hmm. so when we think about even, like, all the other battles in Scripture, you know, like, I mean, of course, the trumpet makes me think of Jericho, Mm -hmm. you know, that there's shouting and trumpets. And so I, of course, like, hearken right to Joshua for that. But I even think about in John, I think it's John 14, no, John 11, Jesus at the grave of Lazarus. Mm -hmm. And it says that he shouted. Lazarus, come out, were his exact words. But like that resurrection comes as a battle cry, as a victory. And I think that it's great to me, honestly, that it's not like he's like whispering, like, all right, come on, let's go. But it's just like bold and like we're going and everything Mm -hmm. that I promised is coming true right now. And that is something to shout about. Like that's something, it's powerful. Yeah. It's like a response to when Paul says, Death, where's your victory? Death, where's your sting? Because I felt the sting of death. Like when I lost my wife, I yeah, felt absolutely. it palpably. Yeah. But it's not final. Yes. It's momentary. Yeah. And it is something to hold on to. And I, I do feel like the closer you are to death, what's beautiful about scripture and the reason you need to be engaged in it every single day is because as you engage, as you meditate on it, when you need it the most, it literally just comes right back. Mm-hmm. And that's my story. That's my testimony is that God's word was so deep inside me in my loss that I could have that hope because I knew it. I couldn't quote it in the right. moments, but I knew it yeah. Uh, yeah. intuitively. So anyway, just really beautiful reason to read scripture. Yeah, yeah it <laughs> really, really is. I love that 
we, and I say we, our team included um, that John 11 part of the Lazarus passage in this reading today with the passage we just read from 1 Thessalonians 4. But this line um, in John 11, verse 11, he said this, and then he, Jesus, told them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm on my way to wake him up. <laughs> and then the disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will get well. Jesus, however, was speaking about his death, but they thought he was speaking about natural sleep. Yeah. But Jesus knew like, that he was dead, that Lazarus was dead. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm on my way to wake him up. And I just think about that yes. moment when Jesus returns in all of his glory. And like, is that what he's going to say? Is like, come on, guys, like, I'm going to go wake up our friends. Yeah. Like, I'm on my way to wake up winter in Evie Grace and yeah. Rex Bible. Like yeah. I'm on yeah. my here we're going. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I just it just feels so real. You know, sometimes when you're reading scripture, you don't get like the feels with it. And that's okay because it's still true, even if it doesn't feel true in the moment. Mm-hmm. And so that's why the discipline of scripture, scripture reading isn't is dependent on our feelings. <laughs> Shockingly enough, <laughs> yeah. no. Um, truth itself is not dependent on our feelings. Yeah. But yeah, that like, but sometimes it's such a gift yeah. when when it does connect. Like when the mental, like, okay, the mental and intellectual agreement with it, but also that like that feeling that like, yeah, I get this yeah. right now. This is one of those moments where I just I feel this right now, yeah. and I'm going to need that later. Yeah. yeah, right. Like yeah. I'm going to I'm going to need that later, and need to remember that feeling when I'm misfiring yeah. <laughs> right. between my head and my heart. I was walking around our like office loop this week, listening to this, and the first time I listened through chapter four, I just like my spirit welled up, and I thought, Lord, how do I get to participate in this? Like, how even me? Would you? How would you even include me in this? Because mm-hmm. I just felt like. He's just so good and so kind that he is in the business of restoration of yeah. all creation. And I, I think about our friend Russ, who is a pastor and has part of being a pastor is also preaching funerals. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he shared with us one time that, you know, they were at a gravesite of a friend of, of his. And he said it felt audacious to say it, but also true. And he gestured, you know, at the hole in the ground and looked at the family and said, this is the site of a future resurrection. Resurrection is going to take place in this ground, you know, and I just think that that's beautiful. And even as I read this, you know, in preparation for this episode, I, I read that phrase, the dead in Christ will rise first. And, you know, something else that occurred to me was, you know, even in the New Testament, not all of the people in the New Testament knew Jesus. I think about Zechariah and Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. They preceded Jesus, right? That's right, yeah. And so, you know, I kind of dug into that, and I was like, what does that mean? Like, if you know, for everybody who didn't know Jesus, for everybody part of the Old Covenant, it includes them. Mm-hmm. It includes the dead in Christ all the way back to creation, that they also will get to rise and be wherever their bones are buried, are future sites of a resurrection. That's crazy. Think about the earth just <laughs> shaking. And we get to rise with Jesus. That's definitely something I can't emotionally connect to, because when I see it, I'm going to freak out probably. Right. I mean, Uh, that's not casual. Yeah, it's not casual. Uh No. Be an epic day for sure. Be an epic (sighs) day. I actually love even the casual nature of how Jesus says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to wake him up. Just like, to me, it really speaks to his power. Like that somebody sleeping is no different than somebody who's Yes. There's nothing that's too hard. No, he's just like, they're just sleep. No big deal. Mm -hmm. I'm all powerful. Yeah. <laughs> I love he it. creates life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so as many times as he wants. Yeah, yeah. Whew. And then we we just keep rolling <laughs> to chapter five. Yeah, we get this description of the of the of day the of the Lord, and this is where we get so much of that good language of like being children of the light, children of the day, as our yes. as Mama Beth's uh, Bible study is named. I think we should just read this whole chapter. It's We could do a little round robin. Yeah, yeah, let's. Okay. I'll get us going. From 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul says, About the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need anything to be written to you, for you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come just as a thief in the night. When they say peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them like labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in the dark for this day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of the light and children of the day. 
We do not belong to the night or the darkness. So then, let us not sleep like the rest, but let us stay awake and be self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled and put on the armor of faith and love and a helmet of the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live together with Him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you are already doing. Ooh, thanks be to God. Yeah. That, like, we don't belong to the dark. Yeah. Like, we've been purchased. Yeah. We belong to the light. Yeah. It's a reframing truth, for sure. Do you guys think it's interesting for some reason, you know, it just struck me differently as I read it this time there in verse nine and 10, 10 specifically. So obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. What you just said, Jonathan, about like, I mean, asleep, dead, like Jesus is, his power is the same. Mm -hmm. And so like this, this glory that we're reading about at the second coming, the people we love who have already gone ahead of us to be with the Lord, like we also are with the Lord Mm -hmm. right now and like through the spirit. Yeah, And I don't think, I don't know, it could be a misreading of the text for me to like interpret it this way, but like whether we are awake or asleep, could be alive or dead, we may live together with him. And so it may be like all of us believers are going to, you know, future tense live together with him. When I read it this time, I read it as like, oh, like right now I'm living with him in the sense that like he lives in me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I was something I was like, I'm going to look that, try to look that up and dig into it some more before we. Yeah. It's such a deep mystery. Like you think about, Uh I think really practically like, you know, like our souls are our souls, our souls on our bodies, our bodies die, our souls are Mm -hmm. alive. And so when I read that and when you started talking about it, I'm thinking, yeah, just as easy it is, as it is for Jesus to wake up Lazarus, who's dead, as easy as him to be with us, whether we're awake or asleep. Right. I don't know what it means theologically, and right. I don't know I know. That, but it's it's a deep mystery that like yeah. there's no separation for those that are in Christ. What's say Romans? For those that are in Christ Jesus, there's no separation. Life That's or right. death, you know, heaven or hell, I'm probably misquoting, but the reality is there's no separation for those that are in Christ mm-hmm. from him. So yeah. I don't know what it looks like, but somehow, some way. Right. There's never a moment where we're not with Jesus. Right. Because Jesus says before he ascended, you know, into heaven after his resurrection, he said, I will be with you always. Mm-hmm. Actually, he said that before his death, right? I am right? with you always. I am with you. That's right. Yeah. I am with you always. Even so that's to what, the end John of the 14? Age. Mm-hmm. I'm just guessing now Listen, without looking we'll it put up. Put it but in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll throw it in there. But he says, I am with you always. And so... It is such a mystery. And so we just, you know, all of this is shrouded in mystery. We only know what we know. And even that we don't necessarily understand. We see in part. That's right. That's right. A mirror dimly. Yeah. And so I do think there is something about that, like being face to face with Jesus in glory is different. Mm -hmm. You know, like seeing the bodily, like resurrected Jesus is different than our experience now with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But... I don't know that the withness is different, yeah. you know? Which puts into context all the more what we were talking about last week. And we read here in verse one that you don't need anything to be written to you because he's going to come like a thief in the night. Mm-hmm. What we are reading here, you know, Whitney talked about last week where she was just saying like, yeah, we don't need to ask, Lord, when will you come again? Because if we're asking that, possibly what we're really asking is like, how much longer do I have to like live minorly (laughs) Christian until I need to really get serious? Mm -hmm. You know, how much time do I have? But what we're hearing here is even like a step further than that. And it's just saying, no, we're already with the Lord. Like we're already, like there's no, I mean, we are with him now and we will be with him in eternity forever. But eternity has begun from, for us when we professed faith in Christ. And so we're with him now. We don't need to know when that, transfer will take place because even now we have him. I'm just thinking about first it talking about basically us not needing to me. It's like, don't worry about what's to come. Like don't get anxious about the future because as believers, like regardless of what it is, you're going to be okay. But then also when he's talking about for you, our children of the light and children of the day, like I think a lot of times often as believers, depending on where we come from, like we can struggle with like regret from our past and Mm -hmm. 
uh, regret over our sin and we wonder if we are children of the light. So it's almost like he's like, don't worry about the past. Mm. Like your sins are covered. Don't worry about your future. Yeah. I've got that covered too. Just yeah. be present where you are. Yeah. Follow me where you are. It's really beautiful. It that. really, really is. Then we get this huge, I just feel like the rest of chapter five, verses 12 through 28, it's like one continuous mic drop Yeah, at the end of this letter because it's so rich. You guys bring us home. Amanda, you read you read have, part of it and then Jonathan read part of it. Do we have time to read it all? Let's yes. do it. All yes, right, so we will here we are. Time. Chapter five, starting in verse 12. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to give recognition to those who labor among you and lead in the Lord and admonish you and to regard them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we exhort you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't stifle the spirit. Don't despise prophecies, but test all things. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. I just feel like that's like a series of four-word sermons. Mm. Right, right. Oh, man. Yeah. So good. And Jonathan, to yeah. the end. Yeah. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will do it. Brothers and sisters, pray for us also. Greet all the brothers and sisters with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this letter be read to all the brothers and sisters. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Man, Amen. What a benediction yeah. at the end of that letter. And I see that. I mean, I look at, you know, Rachel, we've known each other now for a long time. How many years? Nine? Nine years. And Jonathan, we just met face to face for the first time, but I've watched, you know, you and your girls in winter before, just watched your life. And I see this, I see this in your lives, Mm. you know, that Jesus has called you and he is faithful and he will do it. And I know like really intimate examples of that with you, Rachel, how God has been faithful to you. And then Mm -hmm. I look at your life too, Jonathan, and I can just see like Mm -hmm. how God is presently acting and being faithful, Mm. you know, to you and your girls. And it just makes me praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like this letter that Paul wrote to, you know, with all the collective Mm y'alls, you know, that I, it just is resonating that like, oh, we're family. Mm -hmm. And like what you said earlier, Ray, like how we treat one another and how we live our lives is for, it's to honor the Lord and to care for our yeah. family. And it all comes down to what he's saying in this very last paragraph. It all comes down to the faithfulness of Jesus. Yep. Like he's saying, live blameless, like be good to each other. I'm praying for you. Pray for me. But he who calls you is faithful. He will do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He will sanctify you himself. Yep. Like verse 23. Mm-hmm. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify yeah. you completely. That's right. You're not going to sanctify yourself. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> There's all of this like charge and call and what it looks like to ring out with your life for Christ. But he who calls you is mm-hmm. the one that is faithful. He will do it. And that's where we want to be. And it's like you said, Jonathan, it's a mystery. It doesn't make perfect sense. We don't understand exactly the ins and outs of how all of it works. But we do know without a shadow of a doubt that he who calls us is faithful and he will do it. Yeah. I'd love to say that verse 16, rejoice always. Yeah. 17, mm-hmm. pr- uh, pray yeah, cons- yeah. constantly. 18, give thanks and everything. I've just been really dwelling, especially just through a couple years of grief on the idea of just the discipline of celebration, like as individuals and as community, like coming together, rejoicing always. Paul says in Philippians 4 too, rejoice always. I'll say it again, rejoice, give thanks in everything. Like this conscious decision as individuals and as a community to celebrate what God is doing, even in a pandemic, yeah. even yeah. in family difficulty, even yeah. in death, even in sickness, even in all the things that we walk through as humans on this earth, as believers in Jesus, we can still celebrate what he's doing yeah. and that he's working behind Absolutely. the scenes in all things. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Man. I know that we don't always talk about the work that our friends are doing, our guests are doing on the 
podcast directly. We always put it in the show notes, but I just really want to encourage you guys. Jonathan's story is just so beautiful. And his story of being married to and losing his wife, Winter, who was a friend of mine. And he just recently released a book called My Winter Season. And I just encourage you guys, if you want to know if that's a season that you're in, or if you know somebody's in that season, or if you just want to be encouraged by what is true and by a story of the faithfulness of God, I just, I can't recommend it enough. I really would love for you guys to get to pick that up. On that note, Jonathan, thank you for sitting down with us. Oh, it's a joy. I, you know, it's funny. I can't help but think about, we stayed with your family. Like, yeah. I want to say it was... Maybe a week before, two, two, two weeks, weeks before. before. Two yeah. weeks, we closed on our home two weeks before she died. Exactly. That's right. We were with you guys up until that day. And yeah. so even as I think about community, just like mm-hmm. the, the moments we've gotten to share and, you know, just that God is faithful I remember coming here and being excited about being here and you guys were amazing hosts to us and just all that excitement about what God was going to do. And then like the next moment, losing winter. Yeah. But being able to look back now, two and a half years later, and seeing how God's continually been faithful. That's right. And he surrounded me with amazing community yeah. that he dropped me into like right before she passed away. It's just all really amazing. So yeah. Yeah, thank and you. And she's in that great cloud of witnesses, you she know, is. and like cheering the two of you on and like, this mm-hmm. is must be just like the sweetest sight yeah. to see you yeah. continuing in your callings. Well, <laughs> Jonathan, we, I mean, I feel like we are almost done this in talking about just Winter's testimony, but I do want to ask you because it's our tradition on yeah. the, on the podcast. Also, we spent an hour opening scripture and talking about the beauty, goodness and truth that we found there. And I always love to hear from our guests. Where in your life right now are you seeing beauty, goodness and or truth? Yeah, I would say, uh, you know, for us as believers, what's beautiful about the reality of our our lives and the truth we believe is that death is always followed by resurrection, whether it be really soon or whether it be a long time after, like there's always resurrection and death. And so I just think about my life now and think about, you know, specifically the loss of winter and yeah. we're married 15 years and 27 days and it was a beautiful time in my life. And then death happened and we were separated. I can thank God that I knew right away, like I knew her soul and her body were separated the moment I watched it happen. Mm -hmm. And I knew that she was in heaven with Jesus. I'd hope about that. But there was a long grieving season. And now I'm just really grateful because I'm in a place of like resurrection and new life. You know, I have the book, My Winter Season. And it's so cool that her name is Winter um, because Mm -hmm. there was this winter season, one of being married to her, but then then two after losing her. And now I feel like I'm entering kind of a spring season. I'm seeing resurrection in my own life. I'm in a committed relationship right now. And just seeing God be faithful to me and my girls in new ways and blowing my mind, like, just above all you can ask or think type ways. Like he's just blowing my mind with his faithfulness to me as a man and that I can have love again, that my girls can have just relationship with another adult woman again and just all that kind of stuff. It's just really beautiful. So resurrection preceding a really difficult death in my life, just really um, grateful. And I, I see God at work in that. Yeah. Um, I really wow, I love that every death for a believer is followed by a resurrection. Yeah. And yeah, the thing we have to do is just, trust that God's going to do that. We don't know his timing on that. So even like in my situation, I actually just resolved myself to be like, maybe there won't be a resurrection in this part of my life and it's okay. Eventually eventually there will be. And God just surprised me. Just like it talks about in Thessalonians, like, you know, we don't, we don't know, like we don't know when, when anything's going to happen. Like we can just trust, trust that God's going to, He's going to resurrect somehow, some way. So That's right. Oh, man. Thank you so yeah, much. That's the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, friends, come back next week because we are going to do the whole book of Second Thessalonians with our friend Jess Connolly, who has been on the podcast before. We just adore her. And we're excited to kind of conclude this series with Jess on the mic. Oh, and then after that, we start a new series, a three-week study called The Kingdom of God. Oh, I'm excited about that one. I am too. I'm really excited. And we've got some great guests for that series as well. But until then, Jonathan, what do we tell our friends? Keep opening your Bibles. Keep opening your Bibles.